0: Hey, David.
1: Hi. Uh, looks like you got on. Great.
0: Yeah, we are on.
1: Well, uh, let's talk about uh, you and uh, your book. And uh, I think, uh, you know, we, uh, was, we were chatting before about kind of like talking to the startups. Uh, you know, you've, you've, uh, I've read your bio. You've uh maybe you'd do a little
0: intro intro on your, on yourself. Okay. That sounds great. So, um, I'm a five-time entrepreneur, uh, patent holder, um, a coach, a mentor, and really have a passion about helping entrepreneurs succeed in their business. Well,
1: that's, that's an incredible, um, ideal. You know, it's like, uh, the startup is such a great idea you know it doesn't even require as much capital you don't need a, a venture capitalist to to fund you even though when you get bigger maybe in the medium size you, you're going to need a, a more, more financial funding to grow but at the same time you don't want to take on a partner because you don't want the risk of uh, them shutting your business down especially if you have a great idea because once you take on a a partner, then, you know, it. it uh, you run the risk of them taking the company away from you. Uh, but uh, you, you've been really successful, it looks like, uh, with, with uh, getting companies started. Do you want to talk a, a little bit about that and how your book relates to people that are trying to get a startup going?
0: Yeah, you bet. So the yeah the the startup world is a fun adventure for sure it's it's pretty amazing and um and yeah I've gone through the I've gone through the the ringer as far as making every single mistake possible and that that's actually part of why I wrote the book is because i I want to be able to help entrepreneurs not have to make the same mistakes that I made and um, in a way, I kind of wrote the book for a 20-year-old me—the the, that kid that was starting his first company, that was struggling to learn how to make things work—and so being able to give back in that way, be able to help others with their startup, so that they can they can do it in a better, smarter way.
1: You know, I read your story. Oh, yeah. uh... Uh, I read your story on the internet, and it really is quite amazing. Uh, do you want to tell a little bit about uh, the original idea and how you got your first product, and then you got some sales, and then you uh, got a team together, and then you know it? it how you know you because I did say that you had some failures at first, but then you know you learned from them. And, uh, you know, that didn't set you back. You, you got back in there and, and uh, got your product uh, selling again. And, and, uh, and you got good marketing going. And then you started getting things moving.
0: Yeah. So um, um, which, which companies in specific are you, are you referencing?
1: Uh, well, as I recall, one was like, uh, I don't recall the, the product that you were selling but uh, it seemed like you had a small team that, uh, that you put together and then you started to sell that uh, through a channel.
0: Mm-hmm. Am I yeah.
1: correct? Or-
0: yeah, one of the, so my first company was a full service media agency. And, um, and I started like most entrepreneurs start is that they have a particular skill and passion around, um, around a particular product or service. And, and so when I started that first company, it was just me. And I happened to have taken, this will date me a little bit, but I took a, a certification in, in Adobe Flash. And it, oh, wow. it was actually Macromedia Flash, so that puts me even farther back. Um, and I was, um, out of the tens of thousands of people that had actually taken the certification, I ranked number two in the world and um and people had been asking me they'd been saying you know they'd seen my proficiency in flash and things and i i was working at ancestry.com at the time and um people started saying hey i love what you're doing with interactive media online you know can you do it for me and very rapidly my my day job was eclipsed by my side hustle and i said well, if so many people love this and I'm number two in the world, well then why don't I start a company? That just makes sense, right? <laughs> and and um, like most entrepreneurs do, they they have a passion, they have a talent or a skill, and you know sometimes they're the best in the world at what they do, um, whether it's artificial intelligence or baking cupcakes or whatever it is, um, or Macromedia flash or you know they say, well, of course, because I have this skill and this passion, then, you know, it makes total sense for me to start a business. And the missing piece there is that even though I may be the best in the world at building a product or a service, I wasn't the best in the world at building a company. And, wow. and it took a lot of, it took a lot of lumps to be able to figure out that there, there is a better way and that I can actually take that same passion and the same formula that I was using to create amazing, award-winning, interactive websites and funnel that into creating an amazing company.
1: What was the name of that company?
0: Um, At the time it was called uh, Media Rain, which evolved into another company called Music Rain, which is a digital sheet music company.
1: You know, it's a, Uh, interesting because you brought up a really important part point is that you could be the best in the world at at uh, something uh, maybe have a real passion for media um, you know graphic design uh, people are excited about what your your work you can do, but that doesn't necessarily translate into creating a great company is that is that partially uh, the central theme of your book is how to go from a great idea or, or a, a great skill base into uh, a company that can make a profit, and then uh, grow into you know like a maybe a top one hundred, a Fortune one.
0: Yeah, that was actually that the the book, The Entrepreneur's Paradox, really um, starts with this analogy of of wrestling alligators. You know, oftentimes we'll as as people will will have our day job, but every now and then we'll take a little vacation over to Entrepreneur Island, <laughs> is what I call it, and we sit on the beach and we you know drink our coconuts and we see the beautiful waves rolling in and and we spend this time and it's exciting and it's it's thrilling and then we fly back to our day jobs and we you know get involved back in the ordinary world and. Every now and then we just keep we just keep going back to the island and then occasionally the you know some of us really adventure adventuresome will say, you know what, I'm gonna actually move to Entrepreneur Island. And you know, when we're taking those little vacations, it's it seems great and it's exciting and it's thrilling and it's beautiful and the white sand beaches and all of those things. But when we actually make make residence on the island, what we find out is that um, as we're sitting on the beach behind us coming out of the coming out of the trees and the bushes is an alligator and that alligator can look like, you know, the first time we hire an employee or HR issues or payroll or taxes or um, legal or Sales and marketing, you know, all of these things that we said, wait, wait, I just came to the island to, you know, do my craft. Whether, you know, if we're using the analogy, building these amazing sandcastles or, or fishing, pulling out these great fish, whatever it is, that's why I came to the island. I didn't come to the island because there were alligators. Yeah, you know, I don't know about, I didn't know if there were alligators. And every day, you know, we wake up and we try and build the sandcastles and the alligators crawl out of the, you know, out of the jungle. And, and we have to wrestle them. And it's it, being able to break free from that cycle, um, I call it draining the swamp, because we wrestle alligators and it really is hard to see that your objective is to drain the swamp when you're eye to eye with the alligator. But if you're able to drain the swamp and when you're able to drain the swamp, then the alligators naturally leave. And, and that draining the swamp means creating processes, creating systems, creating um, enablement, hiring people so that they can help you take off all the hats because entrepreneurs are, are just very, very interested in wearing all the hats. And so draining the swamp allows the entrepreneur to step out of the swamp. And when they do, then all of a sudden they see on this island these amazing, these three mountain ranges that they didn't even know they were there because every day they're just in the swamp. They're at ground level and it's not until they can free themselves that they are able to see that there's, there's mountains to climb and those mountains. On that note, you yeah, know, we've, the next level really is, is starts with looking at the mountains and any any startup any startup really only has three paths they can take so a startup has um, one of three paths you can either create a business that ends up being a lifestyle business you can create a business that ends up being a, a buyer be bought strategy or you can create a business that ends up with an ipo an initial public offering and the IPO is, um, is by far the tallest and hardest mountain to climb. Um, the acquisition or the buyer be bought strategy is still a very difficult mountain. Um, and then the lifestyle business is, is a much smaller mountain that is more of a day trip. It's more of a um, fun, you know, wake up in the morning, climb the mountain, come back and go home. Whereas the other two, you're on the mountain for days and months and when I created, when I, when I originally wrote the book, I had, I had written about three-fourths, maybe two-thirds or three-fourths of the book before I got the opportunity to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. So I actually climbed the, the largest freestanding mountain in the world. And, and they have a, a saying that you can't go up without coming down changed. And it's an absolute truth every person on our expedition um was was changed in some significant way and and it was an an amazing adventure and so so when i came back down i actually rewrote the entire book from um from the ground up based on this analogy of climbing the mountain and um And it was I'm so glad I did because the book is so much of a better book now that that it has this analogy. And and it truly is. It truly is um, a way for, you know, a great analogy of of how business works and the adventure and the, the climb that it takes to be able to get get up that mountain. It's it's amazing. It's thrilling. It's scary. It's hard and it's so fulfilling it's so so fulfilling so um like we may have um may have a couple technical difficulties david i i don't hear you but i i see your questions do you have um do you have another question for me that you can type through and we can keep going so david asks what are the business challenges to overcome so one of the biggest ones is and i I put this i I list the the um, challenges as pitfalls in the book um and the the pitfalls one of the biggest pitfalls is climbing without a map and so so if when entrepreneurs typically start their company, um, like we talked about, there's there's the daily alligator wrestling, and once they are able to drain the swamp, then they can start climbing. But oftentimes, entrepreneurs will climb without a map, and what I mean by that is that they will say, "Oh, that looks like a fun mountain. Maybe I'll just I'll just start hiking. I'll just start climbing this mountain," and what happens is if there's not a very specific goal um, and, and what I mean, very specific, I'll talk about that in just a second about the success formula, the formula for success of how to write a goal that is achievable, but also that will drive your motivation. And so, um, so one of those big challenges is climbing without a map. So if, if the entrepreneur doesn't have a specific goal, then they just kind of wander around the foothills of the mountain. They never make real progress. But with a specific goal and with the success formula that I read in the book, um, it turns into something that is is in a way kind of magical. And the the magic in that is that once you create that goal, once you create the very specific Um, destination which mountain are you going to climb and when are you going to get there when are you going to reach the summit that's when business starts to really just take off and so that that success formula that i talked about it comes in four parts the first part is is the the amount or the the dollar value so you need to have a specific revenue goal so let's say $10 million or $20 million. And, oh, excuse me. And with that goal, you need to be able to say, when are you going to, when are you going to reach that, that goal? So the first, the first piece is how much. How much are you, revenue and profit are you gonna achieve? The second piece of the successful formula is by when. And I don't mean just a year. I mean a very specific date so you know that would be june 1st 2030 and then the next step is for what what event will happen when you reach that goal so if you're in a buyer be bought strategy then that would be look like an acquisition or maybe you're going to acquire another company if you're an ipo strategy um then it looks like the it looks like the ability to go in and say I'm going to have an initial public offering on the you know, on the Dow or on the Nasdaq or the London exchange you now whatever that looks like. If it's a lifestyle business, then that event would look like something. Say for example, you're going to buy your dream home or you're going to go on that um, world vacation that you've been looking forward to. Whatever that is, there needs to be an event. So again, the first three steps are how much, so dollar value of revenue and profit, by when, a specific date on the calendar, for what, means what event's gonna happen, and then the final piece is the and why. So the full formula is, is how much, for, or excuse me, how much, by when, for what, and why. And the why part of it, um, the why part of it is that you need to have a a passion. Now, what is going to be your passion when you hit that goal? Are you going to, you know, you can be anything from I'm going to donate to my favorite charity in a in a substantial way, or I'm going to go help build an orphanage in Mexico, or I'm going to know, I'm going to help children that um, are struggling to read, whatever it is. um, It can be even as simple as I'm going to provide financial stability for my family, or I'm going to create college funds for my kids. There needs to be a why there needs to be something that you find deep inside that will drive your passion. And with that formula, all of a sudden, it's amazing because Um, Our brains are the best computer on the planet. And I know I'm talking on an AI podcast all about artificial intelligence. But so far, my understanding is that our our brains are still the best computers on the planet. And when our brains are built to solve problems and by creating a, a goal in a very specific way like this, All of a sudden, we've given our brain the problem to solve. And we start to think differently. We start to understand things differently. We start to look at the world differently through the lens of our goal. And if we do that, then our brain literally rewires itself to start solving this problem. The problem being, I want to hit a revenue goal of $20 million with a you know 10% profit and get there by June 1st of 2030 so that I can have an I you know I can have an acquisition and when I do that I'm going to go, you know, build an orphanage in Mexico. That is the problem and your brain all of a sudden says, "Wow, I need to start working on this and your thinking changes. How you create what you do starts to change. And um, not only that, but then writing it down and sharing it with others puts it out into the universe and says, all right, universe, it's time for you to help me with this goal as well. And it's amazing what happens. I've seen some just crazy things happen when people start to write down their goals. It's, it's amazing. So that's, that's kind of the, one of the biggest challenges to start when you first become an entrepreneur is is really identifying which mountain you're going to climb and when are you going to reach the summit and creating that very specific goal um and if that were it then it would be as simply as writing things down and we're set to go right but it's more than that it's it's significantly more than that once we start climbing the mountain all of a sudden we get all of a sudden we get fear fear sets in and we start thinking well am i good enough am i you know everybody else seems to have this figured out but me i I don't have it figured out i'm just a hack i'm a scrub i'm a fake you know i'm just making this up as i go but everybody else you know they they're the ones that are really succeeding and fear comes in the fact that there's um everything imposter syndrome to to some very valid concerns like being able to make payroll and other things and and in the book i talk i talk about imposter syndrome and i talk about what how to overcome it and it's funny because um because the imposter syndrome is actually baked into the entrepreneurial process because if you think about it You think, well, I don't know what I'm doing and I need to be the expert or the genius or the superhero in this situation. And I I talk about seven different types of imposter syndrome um, in the book, The Entrepreneur's Paradox. But, you know, we're we're all thinking that we have to have all the answers. And the truth is, the truth is that if you're starting a company, you're doing something that no one else has done before. In a way, no one else has done it. At a time, no one else has done it with a market that has never existed before. And if you put all those things together, no one can be the expert. No one can be the superhero. No one can be the, uh, you know, the genius and have all the answers all the time. And being able to let that go, being able to um, say, okay, you know what? I don't have to have all the answers and it's okay that I don't what's most important is that I take one more step up the mountain in spite of me not having the answers. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to make it to the top in all situations, but I do know that today I can take one more step today. I can move up just a little bit farther up the mountain and, and understanding that imposter syndrome is actually part of the process is so liberating so freeing that i actually when i when i help when i mentor and coach entrepreneurs and help them through this part of the the process the imposter syndrome um it's amazing what happens all of a sudden they're liberated that they don't have to have all the answers all they have to do is have motion they just need to take more steps up the mountain and um david asks what was the why for your company, you know, each company has had a a slightly different why for sure. There's the motivation of being able to provide for my family, um, but also being able to provide for others, being able to, um, to provide jobs for others has been really, really rewarding for me. I love the ability to um, help others, but one of the big why's for me, was trying to figure out <laughs> trying to figure out a better way to do business, so that when I was able to figure that that out, um, then be able to write this book. So the why for me was to be able to help others succeed, help others to do it in a way that was a lot less painful than the school of hard knocks that I went to. Being able to give them this opportunity to make make those decisions and overcome those pitfalls without the significant amount of pain that it takes and, um, really helping them step up as leaders. That's, that's my why I want to help. I've got a crazy audacious goal. I want to help a million entrepreneurs find next level success. I want to help them to break out of the paradox and start climbing their own mountain so that they one day will stand atop their own summit and be able to look down and reach down and lift the next generation. So thank you so much for having me on the podcast, David. I really appreciate it.